Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday again. Can you believe it? It's the first Monday in February. I don't know where January went. But anyway, if you are somewhere where it's cold, I hope that you're staying warm with a good book. And we have a great new book to introduce to you today. Today's author is Dwayne Clayton, and he is actually a Canadian author, so he is with you there in the cold. <laughs> Not like me in San Diego, who's whining if it's below 70. Um, <laughs> if you have not read Dwayne yet, you're in for a treat. Um, he writes a lot of thrillers, and I will read you his bio so you get to know him a little better. Dwayne Clayton combines his knowledge and expertise as a police officer and paramedic to write crime thrillers. His first novel, Crisis Point, was a finalist for the 2015 Crime Writers of Canada Arthur Ellis Award. Dwayne's vast experience in emergency services spans over 40 years and includes work as a police officer, paramedic, tactical paramedic, firefighter, emergency medical services chief, educator, and academic chair. He's a popular speaker at conferences and writing groups, presenting on realistic police, medical, and paramedic procedures. The co-author of four paramedic textbooks, he has spoken internationally at EMS conferences for the past three decades. He's a member of the Board of Directors for the Crime Writers of Canada and the Alexandra Writers Center Society. I did put a link to Dwayne's website right on the Blog Talk site. If you're listening live, you can click there. There's a lot of information on there of um, all kinds of not only fiction books, but um, Dwayne also offers some help if you're a writer about getting things right. So without any further delay, Dwayne, are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here today. How cold is it up in Canada? Well, it's not too bad today. Uh, in Fahrenheit, if I do the conversion right, it's probably about 20 Fahrenheit. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's only you know 50 or 60 degrees difference from you, I guess. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I might actually have to wear a coat today when I go, and I'm not sure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you have a new book out, Wolfman is Back, right? Can you tell our listeners why they should go grab that book this week and jump in? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we, we talked earlier about your writing. So Wolfman in this, uh, in this book um, is, is not an animal. Uh, it's a nickname. Jeter Wolf is the name of a biker. And in the previous book, Outlaw MC, he was a particularly nasty character, um, was the enforcer for one of the biker gangs. And uh, as I said, was was really nasty. And I actually had some readers email me partway through the book saying, I hope this guy dies at the end. Um, And certainly (laughs) by the end of the book, they were emailing and saying, you had the chance to kill him. Why didn't you kill him? So uh, I, I think if, as an author, if, if I set up that kind of emotion in the readers, I, I must have come up with a decent character. So if that's the case, then I did the only thing an author could do is that I brought him back in book three. Um, <laughs> so when Wolfman is back is uh, not to give too much away, um, but he escapes from jail. And he has a list of people that 
um, helps put him in jail, and he is going to get revenge. Nice. And is this a kind of book where somebody could jump in on book three, or do they need to go back and read the first two? Um, unintentionally, um, book one would stand on its own. Um, book two and three are linked. Um, so it would be better to read book two, Outlaw AMC. But uh, fairly early on in book three, you, you have a pretty good understanding of Wolfman's character. So if you started there, you would still um, learn, learn to hate him within a few chapters. <laughs> so I'm guessing Wolfman is not the hero. No, Wolfman is, is, is definitely not the hero. Um, yeah, he's he is the opposite. Uh, I guess you know if I was to pick a character he's like, um, it would be Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, they're oh. kind of the same in that they really don't have any redeeming qualities. Um, they definitely don't follow the rules. They don't have a moral compass. Um, they've formulated Wolfman for sure has formulated in his head the direction he needs to go with his revenge. And nothing is going to stop him from from getting that revenge. And this is the Brad Coulter series, right? So is Brad Coulter like a an FBI agent, or or is this a police book? Um, it, yeah, it would be police procedural, so a police book. So Brad Coulter uh, starts out in Crisis Book. He's uh, a four year police officer. My books. Um, start in the 70s. So um, apparently anything that's over 40 years old can be described as historical. So I've been introduced a few times as the writer <laughs> of historical novels, which, which is really wow. hurtful when you, live, when you live through that time. Right? Those are your experiences you put in there. Um, however, it makes a great story. And so if they don't introduce me that way, I usually introduce myself that way. So, so, um, so, so it's, it's the mid-70s, and I think everywhere, U.S. and Canada, it was the time of the change in police, and kind of from the old guard, the old guard of post-Second World War guys um, into more modern policing. So Brad sees a vision of where the policing could go, and he's stuck in this, this old paradigm of we've always done it this way. Um, and then throughout the series... Brad is just a um, a bad situation magnet. I think I cleaned that up a little bit for radio, but you get the idea that wherever he <laughs> is, stuff stuff just happens. And so early on, um, stuff is happening, and he's seeing that there has to be a, a better way to, to deal with this. Um, so in, the, in Crisis Point, um, one of the ways to deal with it is he joins the tactical unit, the, the SWAT team, and that's a major part of that book. Um, and so then his, his, the idea is following his career. I guess that's what most procedurals would do. So in the next book, he's sergeant of the tactical team, uh, SWAT. And then in, in Wolfman, now he's a, a detective in a special investigative unit. So it's um, kind of suspect apprehension. And so initially, he and his team are tasked with finding Wolfman when he escapes from jail. And then it progresses from there. Nice. And, I, and if this is set in the 70s, there's no cell phones, right? <laughs> no. 
No, and, and you know, <laughs> sometimes realism is is stranger stranger than anything. So uh, <clears throat> I I distinctly remember there were times. I mean, the radio systems were simple then too, no cell phones, and dispatch would call and they'd have information they wanted us to know, but they couldn't say it over the radio because everybody had a scanner at home. And I remember my listen. grandfather when I was a kid had a scanner in his house and listened to the police channels. So he did one of two things. <laughs> Either you had, you know, a half dozen dimes in your pocket so you could stop at a, at a payphone and phone into dispatch and get the information, or the area I worked, um, there was a 7-Eleven, and the guys there knew us quite well because that's where we got coffee and, and snacks or whatever. So if you pulled up in front of the 7-Eleven, chirped the siren, and turned the lights on, the passenger would get out and run in, and by the time you got into the 7-Eleven, they'd have th- their phone on the counter for you. So you could call in and get your information, quickly hang up, and sit back out the door, and, and go to the call. So, you know, sometimes it was, it was a, uh, you know, an example would be a domestic where they didn't want to, you know, give all the information over the air. So, yeah, you, you had to call in, and <laughs> you were totally relied on the goodwill of 7-Eleven, or knowing where all the payphones <laughs> were in your area. Yeah, yeah I, I remember. I remember reading um, "Door to December" was one of my very favorite Dean Koontz books. And uh, when I got remarried, I told my husband, "You have to read this book." And this was, you know, in 2000, and he's reading this book, and he told me this was an 80s book. And he said, I keep getting thrown out of the story when the police are driving around looking for a payphone. But, but yeah. that's what you guys had to do back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Now, I, I, I picked the 70s because that's when I went into the police department. And so, like I said, I, I lived through this. Um, so you write what you know. And when I started writing, mm-hmm. that's the period <laughs> I, I knew. The unintended good consequence was there were no forensics then. So I don't have to worry about forensics in my books because I've already set it up that it's pre-forensic. So I don't have to have CSI. and um, mm-hmm. I don't have to have DNA experts. And I don't have to research to be a DNA expert or find somebody to do that. So that, that's worked out pretty good um in book four one of the one of the characters is uh, uh well an ident sergeant which would be you know the before forensics kind of thing and he's starting to get some ideas of where things could be done different and it's also based on a character who's a friend of mine from from my police training um who did the transition from simply fingerprinting scenes to moving into forensics so I'm starting to introduce some of that stuff in in book four where he's pushing to say things that, you know, what, what we'd go into scenes in the, the late 70s and trample all over the scene and trample all over the evidence. Um, so right. what's happening now is, is the forensics people go in first, they're totally geared up, and they videotape it, photograph the entire scene before uh, anybody comes in and messes it up. So my books aren't to the ultimate part yet, but I have uh, Sergeant Surgeon suggesting that maybe this would be a better idea. So that keeps me in his good books because he really thinks that the series should um, take a different direction and go with just the forensics guy and that he would be the star. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like it. And and I think it's it's 
solves a problem for thrillers because I know I know I have friends who are thriller writers and they're like the first thing you got to do is get rid of that cell phone. <laughs> so, you know, it gets <laughs> wet or there you go when they make waterproof cell phones we're done. <laughs> yeah. But you're yeah, taking I, care I, of it because you don't have any. Yeah, we didn't have to worry about that. So all you had was you had a portable radio. Um, however, um, in one, one occasion there was a report of uh, somebody trying to break into a house. And when we got there, I saw the guy, and the guy took off running. And after a, a brief chase, he decided he wasn't going to outrun me so that we were going to fight. And uh, during the fight, I swung my right arm and hit him in the side of the head, but I forgot that I had my radio in my hand. And as I oh, did no. that and hit him, um, now this wasn't police brutality. It was, it was, it was a fight. But anyway, when I hit him, it knocked the battery off the end of the radio. So now my mm-hmm. radio was totally useless and my partner didn't know where I was as we're, we're having oh, this no. fight. So yeah. So no cell phone. I mean, there's no backup for me. Um, <laughs> fortunately, I ended up winning the fight, and my partner found me. But yeah, <laughs> and and the radios weren't that great either. If you went uh, behind a you know a cement building or a tall building, they didn't work there either. Right, right. You were very limited by your technology. Yeah, absolutely. So I usually ask people, what what was your writing journey like? I mean, it sounds like you had a whole career first before you decided, I'm going to write that book. Did you always want to write, or how did that all come about? Yeah, I think uh, I, I, in high school, um, my two favorite subjects were, uh, were social studies and English, so lots of writing. I loved writing, and in English classes, I, I – uh, I like to write satire and it was even kind of, you know, Saturday night live sort of skits things. Um, oh, uh-huh. life, get, life gets in the way sort of thing. And I'd always thought I'd be a phys ed teacher. Right. Somehow along the way I ended up being a police officer and then a paramedic. And then I did technical writing. So as you mentioned, I co-authored four textbooks for, for paramedics. I spoke at EMS conferences um, with EMS. I, I did research wrote curriculum and then it was 2010 um i was i I needed to do something other than emergency service because everything i did had been emergency services now not that my rating necessarily strayed far from that but i had the idea i don't know how one morning that well you should write maybe take a writing course so i went to work googled writing courses and there was one that started the next week so i signed up for it and that's how uh the writing started, and uh, the first submission I made to the class and and uh, my instructor was um, a section that is actually in crisis point, but terribly or, or changed a lot, I guess, because when I got it back from my instructor, she said, obviously, you know what you're talking about. However, this reads like a uh, a procedure manual. So right. <laughs> I had a lot. I had a lot to learn about taking what I knew and changing it into fiction and also not showing how much I knew. So not explaining everything and every detail, why they had this gun or why they did this or that. So it was a process of probably, well, I guess five years 
um, working on Crisis Point. I was I was still working full time, but put a lot of time into writing. But Crisis Point was rewritten. I don't know how many times, twenty or more times, probably, because I was learning wow. to, to write. And initially, as I was taking the course, right. if you read some of the early versions, you could go, "Oh, look, on uh, on chapter seven, Dwayne must have learned about characters because his characters are better." Oh, and on chapter twenty-three, the scene <laughs> setting is much better. So I had to go back and take everything that I had learned and now fix the fix the whole manual, I guess. But um, obviously. Um, it worked in 2015 to be nominated for the Arthur Ellis Award, so that was that was exciting, and I think that was also key for me too that it kept me writing. I think by five years I was kind of thinking, oh, what am I doing? This is this is the worst hobby in the world. Right. It takes all my time, and I have nothing to show for it. And then the nomination <laughs> came. That was that was just enough to give me that shove. Nope, you're on the right track. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, and you know if people post memes and things of that, you know, I decided to be a writer and now I have to do homework and write term papers every single day. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And do it with a smile. That's right. That's right. We do, you do have days where you love, you know, where you love what you do, but there are other days where you're like, you know, I'd rather do dishes than write this scene. But that's, I guess that's just how life is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what my my wife will say to me. She'll come home. She teaches uh, ultrasound, and and she will come home and look around the house and go, "Oh, you had a bad writing day. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, because everything's clean. clean. You clean the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And you got dinner on the table. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I think she yeah, likes the, the writing was hard. My bad writing day is better than she likes the days when I'm writing. <laughs> And who was the first, can you remember, who was the first influential author with you? I I always find that writers are so good at paying it forward, and I try to do the same. And did you, you know, go to your first writing conference or something? Do you remember who was the first one who encouraged you, you know, said, hey, you can write. Keep doing this. <laughs> Actually, it was it was almost the opposite. Um, I was at the first writing conference I went to. I was asked to, to speak at it, and it's a conference called When Words Collide. It's in Calgary. It's, it's a great conference, and this was in 2012, so I was new to writing, and I was just walking around, and there was, there was a guy there from a small publishing company, and I just started a conversation with him. I'd never been to a writing conference before. I didn't know the procedures. Anyway, I just started talking right. to the guy, and he asked me what I was writing, and I told him what I was writing. And he says, well, hey, that sounds pretty good. Send it to me. So I sent it to him. And I don't know, a month later, uh, I got an email from him. And essentially in the email, he said, uh, along the lines of, you know, when you're in another room and there's a police show on TV in the living room and you don't care, um, that's how I found your writing. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it 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 was pretty nasty. And. Um, I'm very competitive. So mm-hmm. at first I was upset and I thought, oh, I'm terrible. And then the competitiveness kicked in and it was more like I'm going to show him. So right. uh, that propelled me into writing. Um, more recently, uh, I guess two and a half years ago, uh, I met another uh, a Canadian author. His name is Jonas Saul. 
he writes thrillers and uh, we hit it off and he's been giving me, me the best advice. And that is to just keep writing and um, that it's a hard market to get into. And the best way to promote yourself is by having your next book and by having your next book and your next book. And he's become a, a so great true. mentor to me. So that's why oh, uh, I think, I think maybe it was, we talked earlier, but I'm working on culture four and culture number five at the same time, because that's, I need to do that. I need to keep the series going and the readers want them. And so that's what I need to do is, is to keep this going. And so I write as often as I can and as hard as I can every day, which someday turns into cleaning the house, but other days I can yes. to work. <laughs> yeah. I can I can totally relate. Now, do you uh, have a publisher for this series, or are you self-publishing? What's what's your plan for it? Yeah, um, I am self-publishing right now, independent publishing, and that's a whole other <laughs> a whole other side to writing. Um, right. I, I definitely like like the writing part better than I do taking care of the publishing. Although, um, I. I do the formatting for my novels, and I actually like doing that. Um, but, the, yeah, the, the publishing myself, and then that means marketing yourself. But, and, you know, in, today, in today's environment, every author has to market. Well, every author except, you know, maybe yes. the, you know, the, the, the top 20, um, we all right. have to you know, market ourselves. So I, I think I'm fortunate in some respects is that with my background, I am asked to speak at conferences and, and to other groups, and uh, I can talk about policing. I can talk about, you know, paramedics. I can talk about, you know, emergency medicine too. And not that I was an emergency doctor by any means, but I spent lots of time in the emergency department and all the procedures. So I can, uh, I can package me and my knowledge in with my writing as well, and um, I think that helps with the credibility of the stories. I was at a market before Christmas and, and people loved it when I would, when they would tell them about my book and I say, well, I was a police officer and a paramedic and that just caught their attention right away. So mm -hmm. uh, I use that for my marketing and then the stories uh, I think speak for themselves. I think that they're high adventure, uh, lots of action, fast paced uh, uh, I've received a few emails. Uh, all the emails are good. <laughs> These ones are uh, uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning. I just want you to know that I read till 2 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't put your book down, and now I have to go to work, and I'm dead tired. Okay, <laughs> Those are one. the That's best emails one. ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As an author, those are the emails you always want to get where they say, oh, I got no sleep last night. And, and then you go, yeah. okay, my work here is done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was aiming for. <laughs> yep, exactly. So are there any other genres that you have ideas that you want to write, or are you just sticking with Brad for now? Um, I Not a different genre. I have uh, a novel completed in a completely different series, um, and it's in, in modern day, and it's uh, – it, it's actually set in the U.S. set in, in Great Falls and area, and it's about the opioid crisis. And it's just out at beta readers right now to see what uh, what feedback I get there. I'll probably stick stick with crime. I've written a few short stories. Uh, 
One was for an anthology that was supposed to be really dark noir. And I think I kind of ended up being more of a hard-boiled detective slash humor um, short story. So the main character in it was was a private detective in modern day, except he talked and acted like Sam Spade. So he acted like a detective from the forties, <laughs> and, and and people gave him shots about the way he dressed and his his uh, his suit and the fedora he wore, and so um, it ended up getting published, which which was great. It wasn't quite exactly what they wanted, but it was well received. So I have some ideas for that one as well, and then there's uh, I have oh, good. started one short story on a kind of a, a time travel, but again, it's crime. It's a police officer from from now uh, ends up back in the early 1900s and so has the knowledge of now but not the tools so I've been playing with that one as well oh very cool kind of sticking with the the same genre really crime is what I know and I I love writing and that's what I love reading so I think I'll probably stick with that yeah yeah I love the idea of crime time travel that sounds amazing yeah, I think I think it can have a lot of fun with that. Uh, so, yeah, it's just about yeah. finding the the, the the time to write and where the priorities are. Well, and I think it it lends itself to be you know quirky because fish out of water stories are always fun. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, the, the premise is he's <clears throat> excuse me, he goes back in time to nineteen hundred in the Calgary area, um, except history was changed and the city of Calgary doesn't exist. So it's, it's in the area, but different things have happened. So he's expecting that this the city should be here even in the 1900s and it's not. Uh, so it would definitely be out of place. Yeah. Yeah. And there's probably no DNA testing. <laughs> I know. I keep going back to that, don't I? I, I really just don't want to have to do forensics in my novels. <laughs> well, speaking of, I, I just have to ask, so do you, um, when you are, you know, now that we can binge watch on TV, do you stay away from crime shows? Do they bug you when they're not right? Or do you enjoy watching them and pointing out all the things that are wrong? Uh, some of them I like to point out things that they do wrong. For a while I was doing a, a blog column on what TV and movies gets wrong in medical and TV shows. And most of the shows just make it way too easy. Most of the medical shows make it way, way, way too easy to pick them apart because they are horribly wrong for the most part. Um, and, and I do watch some of the, the police shows uh, and pick them apart. Probably my biggest pet peeve is, well, two pet peeves. One is that when the bad guys in a house or an apartment and the police kick in the front door, and the bad guy escapes out the back door because the police somehow didn't realize there was a back door, and they should cover the back door as well. So that makes me crazy because <laughs> actually being at the back is sometimes the most fun because when everybody else comes in the front door, the bad guy does try and get out the back door, and if you're there, you're the one making the arrest. Right. Um, and then the other one is, especially, especially on a, a New York City show, with a famous actor as the chief, um, the tactical team or their SWAT team is there to kick in the door, but the detective always goes in first. Um, so the reason the SWAT's there is 
because they have the body armor, etc. But the detective always goes in first because he's the star of the show. So uh, things, <laughs> things like that are easy e- easy to pick on. And, um, but I I do still watch the police shows. You do. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you ever watch Did you ever watch Monk? I've been binge watching Monk now because all the seasons are on Amazon. Oh, and man. and do you like that show or is that one all wrong? Um, you know what? That is a show I have not watched. I will have to I'll have to check that out. I I mean I know of the show. I was just uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch it. Oh. Well, you'll have to watch it and let me know what you think because I I really enjoy Monk. He's he's like this OCD detective, but it's again quirky yeah. quirky character. But but it's interesting the tiny bits of evidence that turn into something. So let me know what you think. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm definitely going to add that to my my binge list because we definitely do Yay. binge watch. You know, so I'll put that on there. Okay, cool. Well, let me know how it goes. So we're running out of time, but I wanted to um, ask you, do you have an author newsletter, or how do, how do you like readers to get in touch with you? Oh, probably the best way right now is, is just through my webpage. So they can contact okay. me through uh, the webpage, and then uh, they can also sign up. And um, um, I, I'm trying to, to be – I'm trying to get something out every month to readers telling them where I'm at or when new books are coming out and that sort of thing, what I'm working on. So they can they can get on that list as well. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. And everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. And run out and grab The Wolfman is Back. It sounds like a super fun read. Great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Dwayne. We'll talk to you soon. We'll talk again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.